Shalom and welcome to our second online conference celebrating the Feast of Trumpets, preparing the way for the King. We're so excited to have you guys with us as we celebrate this fall festival, this high holy day that our Father has given us to come together to worship, to praise Him, and also to look towards the return of our King, Yeshua. Amen. Guys, this feast is so amazing. You know, when it was first given by our Father to Israel, it was actually quite an obscure feast because God comes to them and tells them, have a day where you rest from your labors. You celebrate something by blowing the trumpets. And that's really it. And for a long time, that's what we knew until the one of whom all of this is really about, the one who is to be welcomed back was actually arriving. The one who is called Yeshua, the Messiah and the Feast of Trumpets is that feast that points to his second coming. And so in 1 Thessalonians 4:16, it says that he's going to descend with a shout, a cry of a command, the sound of a trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise first. And so today we have a privilege to understand this feast in a way like many generations before us could never. And does that not mean this is what I want you to ponder. Does that not mean that this is more relevant? This feast is more relevant than ever for us. Many people are confused to think that oh, the feasts are Jewish, irrelevant. Forget about them. No, this is more about Jesus than anything else. It's about him coming back for you, for me to raise us from the dead. Today, we will be joined by six incredible speakers who will each share a 10 to 15 minute message on the Feast of Trumpets. Then we'll have a short time of worship and then a live Q&A panel discussion with our speakers where you can ask your questions. Our first speaker will be Chris Frankie, who is the lead pastor of Hebraic Family Fellowship in Oklahoma. Then we will also have Amy Gunther, who has her ministry Torah Sisters, which is an amazing ministry for women who love Yeshua and who desire to walk in Torah. She also makes amazing memes, by the way. After that, we also will have Joe and Jackie with the Almond House Fellowship, which is a fellowship based in Ireland, and they also have an online ministry. Following that, we'll have Trinity, an incredible 19-year-old who's gotten fire for Yeshua and now with the Nameless Disciples is going around the United States preaching the gospel of Yeshua. We will also have Nathan Harmon, who holds tent revivals around the country and who speaks at schools. Lastly, we will also have my husband, Petey. Yes, I'm so excited. Hey guys, before we begin, I just want to mention that if this conference during it, you feel like this is really a blessing to you and you would like to make an offering for the Feast of Trumpets, you can do so towards this conference because we would like to bless these speakers who are laboring among us to make this possible. If you would like to do that, you can go to riseonfire.com slash partner and we can't wait to get started here. So the fee, uh, Chris Frankie is our first speaker. Chris is a wonderful friend of mine, and he is well known as a pastor of Hebraic Family Fellowship, as we mentioned, but he's also done a lot behind the scenes. Founder of the, one of the founders of the Hebraic Roots Network, also uh, revive many of the revived conferences being held all, all around the country. He helped oversee and consult with many of the most respected messianic ministries across the U.S. And so 
I can't wait to hear what Chris has to share. Chris, welcome and thank you, brother. Thank you, Petey and Christina, for allowing me to join you this evening. Hog Sameach to everybody who is at home as we're in the fall feast time. My name is Chris Frankie. I am the senior pastor of HFF.Church here in Norman, Oklahoma. And what an honor it is to be joining you this evening for the Feast of Trumpets. Tonight we're looking at how to prepare for the king, preparing the way for the king. Um, if you've been in the root space of Christianity for any period of time, uh, you remember the song, prepare the way. Uh, that's what we're doing. That's, that's what the feast, the Moedim, the appointed times are. We're preparing for the day when we'll see King Jesus come riding on the clouds with great glory and he'll call us to assemble. And so, Thank you for allowing me to be here. Tonight, I really want to focus in on two main things. The Feast of Trumpets, we know that there's, there's two real commandments. There's two major commandments as a part of how do we do trumpets together. Uh, one of them is that you would have a trumpet or a shofar blast. Uh, um, that's, that's a part of almost every gathering. But then the other is that you'd have a holy convocation. You'd have an assembly. Trumpets are used throughout the Bible for two very distinct things. One is a call to war. The other is to assemble. So, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this evening. I thank you for all the work that all the speakers and all the people on the broadcast tonight have uh, done to be in your presence, to hear your calling, to be empowered by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Uh, tonight, as we, we put the focus back upon you, upon your times, upon your power, your spirit, I ask that you would just come, you would meet with every person on this broadcast, whether they're in their car, their home, their work, wherever they might be, Lord, that you would just come you would anoint them, you would fill them with your spirit, and that uh, our time together online this evening would just be a blessing to you. In the name of Yeshua, amen and amen. Tonight, I want to look at that call to war, call to assemble. We're at war. Everything around us is at war. We have King Jesus, we have his kingdom, his land, his people, his commandments, his spirit, and then you have all the counterfeits of the world. See, I like to think of it this way. My son plays baseball. I coach baseball. And uh, all of the kids, all the major leaguers, they have what's called a walk-up song. So as they come up to bat, as they're being announced, all of a sudden you have some song that they feel just adequately kind of hypes them up, represents who they are. You hear that song, you know that person is coming. Our king has a hype song, a walk-up song as well. It is the blast of a trumpet to let the whole world know, spiritual, physical, I'm coming. Who's coming? King Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, he's coming. Game over. When he comes, game over. There are call to war. In that call to war, we have to recognize that the Bible says that the devil is a lion prowling. He's not just sitting passively. He's not just laying back. He's not just sitting on his couch. He's a lion prowling. He's seeking to destroy. He's seeking to take us with him, to change our spirit, to not allow us to have what, what the Apostle Paul calls in Romans 8, when we're dying to our flesh, then our spirit is removed and it's replaced with the spirit of Jesus. We have to first profess that Jesus is our salvation, and then we have to be filled with the power of the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, some call it the Holy Ghost, 
the Ruach HaKodesh in Hebrew, we have to be empowered and filled with that spirit so that we can war against the devil and the power of the spirit of the adversary, the spirit of the Antichrist, that tells us there are idols, there are kings, there are glorious things for all of us. And what the Bible tells us is we're not kings in the flesh. We're to die to the flesh so that the King Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, can be empowered and go through us. The flesh is counterfeit. This is where the adversary wants to take the authority given to him and say, you can have this, you can have this. He did it in the garden. He's still doing it today. You can have this, whatever your flesh desires. That's a war, brothers and sisters, that we fight every single day. Some of it's it's one thing, some of it's the other, but make no mistake about it. We are at war against the spirit of the Antichrist. It needs to be gone by the power of Jesus' name and be replaced with the spirit of Jesus, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the death, from the grave. First John chapter four, three, if you have your Bibles, go with me. It says, and every spirit that does not confess that Yeshua is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Brothers and sisters, this is already in the world. We know this. We see this in the roots of Christianity, the questioning of the roles of Jesus. If you question the roles of Jesus, then you have to question the power of the spirit of Jesus. And at what point in time do we have to come to a place of submission and humility to understand that it is that person that king, Jesus, that spirit that each and every one of us needs. If I'm good enough, if I'm all this is, we're all in a lot of trouble. We're all in a lot of trouble. We have to war against that because it says that every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. We don't want the spirit of the Antichrist. We don't want to be considered the spirit of the Antichrist on the earth today. We want to be known as the kingdom believers of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, as Apostle Paul calls it in Romans. That's what we want to be known by. And we have to war against that spirit of the Antichrist so that kingdom will be destroyed so that what's commonly said, the Feast of Trumpets, it will be the seventh trumpet. It will be six trumpets before it announced the war that's happening on this earth, the war of Jesus and his heavenly armies taking down the kingdoms of this world, the spirit of the Antichrist, the base system on the seventh trumpet that seventh trumpet, it announces his kingdom is coming on earth as it is in heaven. This is the goal of every believer, to bring his kingdom here through his spirit, through his power. Number two, to assemble. Every year, every year, we see this in, in Leviticus, we see this in Numbers, that we were to assemble there's offerings to bring, there's corporate gatherings, there's prayer, there's rejoicing to assemble the king's kingdom here together. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? We need to have the fellowship of light together to push back the darkness in this world. The Lord gives us every seven days, he gives us the Sabbath. This is a time for us to come together with the believers who believe and profess that Jesus is the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, as well as are filled with the power of the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. Every seven days we get to do that. But then, oh, 
wait a second, he gives us the Moedim, he gives us these appointed times to come together and say, not only are we practicing weekly to be in the presence of God, to have the rest of God, but we get together and we practice throughout the year for the time when the kingdom of darkness will be destroyed and cast into the lake of fire and King Jesus and the host of the heavenly angels and all of the believers who are yoked together by his blood, the blood that covers the mercy seat powered by the Ruach HaKodesh in this world will come together. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. If we're preparing for the coming of the king, then we first have to recognize that we're at war. And right now, part of the preparation for the king and the king's kingdom to come is for us to war daily against that war that he is championing and will soon win in all of the world. Two is that we are called to be assembled as like-minded believers, to be empowered to profess that the Holy Spirit and Jesus is God and to walk in that power, not the power of the flesh, not the power of the world, not the counterfeit gods of this world, but to walk in the power of the one true King who died and rose. And at that seventh shout of a trumpet, the sound of a shofar, he will come in great glory, will be transformed. No longer will this, the suit of shame and, and struggle and war, but will be given the new bodies, the new spirit, the one that is empowered the way that God originally intended us to be before we chose to fall for the tactics of the adversary. So Hag Sameach, I'm so excited the fall feasts are here. Thank you for allowing me to be here tonight. Continue to stay with these amazing teachers and join us for this live QA we have for the panel conversation tonight. I pray that everything that, that we're going through in the scriptures we're looking at and, and the power of the Lord through each and every one of us, that you'll be blessed this evening. But most importantly, that our gifts together corporately are blessing the Lord this evening. Thank you, Petey and Christina. Wow. Amen. Thank you so much, Chris, for sharing that. And I loved what you had to say about warring alongside King Jesus, King Yeshua against the enemy. I mean, as scripture says, put on your armor, put on the armor of God. And if we're not preparing right now as warriors in the prayer closet, in keeping these festivals that look towards the return of our King, how will we be prepared for when our King does come as we stand alongside him? How will we be prepared to war alongside him if we're not preparing now? Amen, brothers and sisters. The kingdom of God is coming and is both right now, right here with you. In other words, there is a resurrected body we look forward to, as Chris said. But then there is also the fact that right now we have a responsibility to bring his kingdom that is just waiting to burst out of us into this world, bringing a life and life abundantly. Amen. So, hey, guys, uh, next up we have Amy. And she's going to be talking to us as well. Uh, she is the owner of Torah Sisters. Torah Sisters exist to encourage women who are believers in Yeshua, Jesus, and are pursuing obedience to God. And her goal is to provide a magazine, blog posts, free stuff. And she has many wonderful resources on her website called TorahSisters.com. And after her talk, I'm going to share a link for you where she's prepared many resources for everyone 
for free who's looking at this conference exclusively tonight so that you can have a lot of cool information about how to practically celebrate the Feast of Trumpets. And that's what she's going to be talking with us about here tonight. Welcome, Amy. Hello, my name is Amy K. Gunther. I am from TaurusSisters.com. I'm so happy to be with you here tonight for this conference, a really special conference, a topic that excites me, the feast. And this one is the Feast of Trumpets. My part in this conference is to share ideas and how to actually celebrate this feast. Practically, what do you do? Now, I'm going to run through a lot of things really fast. I have some notes here. We don't have a lot of time. I don't want you to write down. I want you to just hang out with me. But I put all of these notes, and I'm going to give them to you if you go to TorahSisters.com slash Trumpets 2023, no space, Trumpets 2023. Enter your email, and I will send you these notes, along with other links and resources and ideas that I have on my website. So let's talk about the Feast of Trumpets. You don't have a lot of time, but you can still do it, and you should observe it and celebrate it somehow. You can go, you know, the sky is the limit with any feast of how much you want to go all out for the feast. So in this talk, I'm going to focus on what you should do and then what you can do with little time, little money, little preparation required with items that you probably have around your house. So let's get into this. And first of all, don't forget, you know, the feast of trumpets is going to come and it's going to go. The question is, are you going to participate in it? Are you going to join in with the Father and participate in this feast? If you're doing it from your couch and you're just like, oh, it is the feast, but you don't do anything, you, you believe it up here, but you don't do it with your hands, do you really believe it's the feast? And do you believe it's a time to meet with the Creator and to participate in his festivals. And it doesn't matter if you're young, old, a teenager, an old person living alone, a young person living alone, a college student, a, um, a young adult, single, a, a small family, a big family, married, it does not matter your circumstance. You're supposed to do the feast and you can and you will be blessed by it. So let's get into this. First of all, I want to show you on my website in that email, if you sign up for that email, I'm going to send you this feast poster. It's a list of all the different feasts in the scriptures. And on the last page is Yom Teruah. Oh, not that page, but it lists the feasts and the scriptures that tell us when to do the feast and what to do and what not to do. And I feel it's very important for you to look up the scriptures. And so if you sign up for that email, I'm going to send you that poster so you can have those references. I'm going to summarize them, but I want you to see the Bible verses themselves. So sign up for that email, get that fall or that feast poster. And actually you can hang it on your wall and learn about all of the feasts with it. So here's the summary of what the scriptures say to do on the Feast of Trumpets. So this is what the scriptures say to do. Blow trumpets and shofars and shout and make a joyful noise. The scriptures also say that the Feast of Trumpets is a Sabbath, so we keep it holy, we keep it set apart. And as a Sabbath, that means we ought to rest. Doesn't it sound awesome already? Um, you're also supposed to have a holy convocation on this feast day. And you're supposed to prepare, in my opinion, you prepare your heart and mind for Yeshua's return, uh, which is what this conference is about. And you have your oil in your lamp. So you, you, you think about, you know, what do you want or what should you be doing really every day to be ready for Yeshua's return. Now, the scriptures have some things that it says we ought not to do on the Feast of Trumpets. Do no work. And these are like 
Sabbath rules. Do no work, don't buy or sell, and don't make your servants or your animals work. So we treat it like a Sabbath. So those commands are so simple. <laughs> and there's a lot of traditions and fanciness that we can add in, but the commands are all that you're obligated to do according to scripture. And so you can meet those commands if you have a family over, or if you even do it by yourself, you, sh you maybe you go out and you look at the moon and you're like, yep, there's the moon, it's the seventh month, the feasts are upon us. You shout for joy, you shout in worship, you praise the King of Kings, you mark the day by doing this and observing it. You could have your own holy convocation by reading scripture, singing, praising the Father. You could watch a teaching on YouTube and then um, and the party continues for you for that whole 24 hours. That's the Feast of Trumpets. It can be that simple and that doesn't even cost you anything. Now, if you want to soup it up a little bit and make it even more memorable, even more set apart, meaning different from other days, maybe even different from other Sabbaths. It's a feast day. Um, I'm gonna give you some ideas. And again, these are simple, free, cheap, quick ideas. This is a great feast to have your party in the evening. I often have a feast, a feast of trumpets party here at my house. Um, not this year, but most year, other years I have. And I invite people over earlier in the evening, like around dinner time. And I'll tell you what we do, we have a potluck, always a potluck, <laughs> although there doesn't have to be. We have a potluck and then we might do some worship and some singing or some reading of scriptures. And then as the sun starts to go down, we're, we're all outside. If the weather's nice, we're outside the whole time. We are looking for the moon to mark the, the Rosh Hodesh, the new moon, to notice it, to pay attention to it. You know, we don't worship it or anything creepy like that, but we just, we want to pay attention to it because that's how we know the fall feasts are upon us. Um, as, as well as the idea of looking to the heavens, waiting for Yeshua's return. We wanna be out there with our oil and our lamp, watching and waiting. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're, it's like an object lesson. It's like we're practicing. And so we, we go out there, we blow shofars, we just make noise. Sometimes the kids have kazoos or other little noisemakers. Even the adults have noisemakers and kazoos. You know, picture like, a, you know, a traditional New Year's Eve party with all the noisemakers at midnight. That's what we do at the Feast of Trumpets when the sun goes down. Um, a friend of mine has a fun idea. As the, the first person to see the moon yells and screams and that person gets a little prize. She has little prizes on hand. Um, some other ideas. Well, let's just keep going. I'm totally out of order already. You can decorate if you want. You can bring out some fall feast decorations. If you have like Thanksgiving type decorations in your house, bring them out. This is the perfect feast for those kinds of decorations. Um, white twinkly lights hanging in the trees outside would be really special. Um, or inside, if you can't go outside, just dim the lights inside and hang twink white twinkly lights around. Um, light every candle, put, them all, put a whole bunch of candles around outside or inside make it special just but again you can decorate with what you have around or you can run to the dollar store if you want to um, but you can use what you have in your house and then some you know as far as looking for the new moon a lot of us are so out of touch with the moon phases and where the moon is and things because we don't have to pay attention to that in today's day and age it's not uncommon at my at my yom teruah parties to see my guests and me outside with our phones and there's apps that you can look at know where the stars are and know where the moon is 
And so we'll be holding on our phones trying to see below the horizon where the moon is and where it's going to rise because um, we're excited to see it and we're paying attention to it. So get one of those apps because it's a fun night to be paying attention to the skies. Um, if it's not dark where you live, because it's a lot easier to pay attention to the stars and enjoy the outside at night if you don't have city lights, consider hopping in your cars and going and tailgating somewhere. Go find a place outside the city lights where you are allowed to tailgate, you and some friends. Um, put blankets and pillows in the back of your minivans and your pickup trucks and take your camp chairs and make it a, a tailgate party. That might be really fun too. Um, make a joyful noise when you see it. Blow all kinds of trumpets, noisemakers. Um, if you ever see those like little music kits for kindergartners at garage sales, pick them up because they have all the bells and the, and the maracas and like you just make noise. You just make a lot of racket. Um, but just find little noisemakers or make them yourself. Play instruments if you actually have an instrument, a real instrument, not a kazoo, and dance. It doesn't cost you any money to dance. Dance in worship. If you've been timid or afraid to learn the Hebrew dances, you know, sometimes you watch um, certain congregations and the ladies especially will do the Hebrew dances, but the men can do it too. David danced. Make this the feast where you find some YouTube videos and learn those dances during this feast. Everybody just do it together. You will never forget it. You'll always remember the Yom Teruah party when you learned a couple dances and you will have a wonderful time. Another thing you should do at this feast is to eat well. Um, if you have time, go and buy some great food, buy some great meat and feast. Have some great food for, for you and your guests. Invite people over, I say guests. I do encourage you to do this with other people. Don't be shy. If you know someone who has nowhere else to go, they are going to be thrilled that you invited them over. Even if you feel like you don't know what you're doing, just tell them, I don't know what I'm doing, but I watched this video, Amy has the, these ideas, let's try some of this. And split up the work, say, can you bring the desserts and I'll bring this and whatever. Invite people over, don't be intimidated by people, you're just a people too. Do this together. Um, have a campfire, have kosher s'mores, stay up late. If you have leftover sparklers or fireworks from something, this is a great night to get those out. Sing and worship, lay on blankets together and just look at the stars. Maybe after your guests leave, stay up another half an hour or an hour, just you and your family, laying on blankets and looking at the stars and just talking about this is what the feast is about. What is it going to be like when Yeshua comes back? And what are you supposed to be doing until then? And just talk. Um, have a devotional or a teaching. So now we're getting into the kind of the Holy Convocation part where you, you worship. Um, so have at least a devotional or a teaching or at least read some scripture out loud. Um, there's, that's a very powerful thing. If you're, if you're not feeling comfortable leading a Bible study or something, you don't have to. Read scripture. Um, you can watch a teaching on YouTube as well. So those are my ideas. Again, go to TorahSisters.com slash Trumpets2023. I will email you this and the feast poster and some other goodies like the magazines. Um, I'll send you links to the magazines that have lots of feast ideas. So I will see you in a little bit in the panel and 
Um, thanks, and I just do the feast, friends. Just do them and enjoy them, and don't don't worry about if you're doing it right. If you're doing it and you're following those very simple commands, you're doing it right. It's not hard. I'll see you in a little bit. Thank you so much, Amy, for sharing those fun ways to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets with your family. Fun, simple way. So just go and do it. If this is your first time or if you're an old timer and you've been doing this many years, make it fun. Because remember, this is a festival unto the Lord. This is a beautiful day of remembering what he has done, but also looking forward to the return of our King, Yeshua. So other things that you can also do is um, a tradition called Tashlich, which is throwing um, this is often done in synagogues around the world, but we see a beautiful um, fulfillment in Yeshua, and that is throwing breadcrumbs, throwing stones into the river, because it is reminiscent of how our sins are thrown into the depths of the sea, as we have in Micah 7, 18 through 19. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. And of course, Yom Teruah, Feast of Trumpets, is the beginning of a time of repentance leading up to Yom Kippur. So this is the perfect time to go make reconciliation, restoration in relationships, friendships, and marriages with your children. Go and repent where there needs to be repentance and come together closer as we look for the return of our King. Thank you so much, Amy. That was wonderful. Next up, we have Joe and Jackie from the Almond House Fellowship. They are based in the UK, Ireland, and you may know them from their Almond House Fellowship YouTube channel where they post teachings often, and their heart is based on to have a ministry of love, focusing on love with the foundation of the whole Bible. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Shalom PD. Thanks for inviting us onto your show. I really appreciate it. And for those who are viewing online for the first time, my name's Jack and this is Joe. We're from the Almond House Fellowship. It's a Torah observant messianic fellowship in England and we're situated on the world. And when PD emailed us to ask to speak about the Feast of Trumpets on his show, he gave us the theme preparing the way for the return of the king. And if I was to summarize the Feast of Trumpets in one word, it would be that it is preparing the way for the return of the king. And it's quite curious really, because I hear a lot in the Christian community that no one will know the day of the Lord, no one will know the day or the hour, and they quote Matthew and they might pair it with. Not even the angels in heaven. Not even the angel, angels in heaven, only the Father knows. And you might pair it with the scripture like, the day of the Lord's going to come like a thief in the night. And while that is true, however, scripture in context will reveal that this is a bit of a myth that we've inherited. We may not know the exact time or hour in that day, but we definitely know the times and the seasons. Mm. And these times and seasons in Scripture are known as the appointed times of God and the feasts of God. So I've got a Scripture I'd like to open up with first, just to highlight that. And Paul addresses the day of the Lord. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, Now about the times and seasons, brothers, we do not need to write to you. So we say, look, you should be aware of these feasts. Mm. Verse two, he says, for you are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. 
While people are saying peace and security, destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. Wow, so heavy. But there's hope in verse four. It says, but you brothers are not in the darkness so that this day should overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us remain what awake and sober. So what's Paul saying here with this Thessalonian scripture? He's telling us we are aware of the appointed times and these are the seasons we can prepare for the return of the king. And just like he says, that, that day of the Lord won't overcome you like a thief in the night. So it's quite curious, really. And Trumpus is a feast that falls in these appointed times. Mm. And to make sense of this, of how this is the feast of where the Messiah is going to return, and this is what we believe in our ministry, that this is the feast he's going to return, we've got to really look at all the other feasts in context to see this. And I've got a few scriptures that I'd like to share tonight with everyone mm. watching online. But first off, I want to share Isaiah 46, because this is powerful. It states, God speaking, I, I declare the end from the beginning and ancient times from what is still to come. Mm -hmm. So if God tells us we've got this concept that we need to look in the beginning and there we will find the end, the return of the Messiah, then let's have a little look at this. Let's break down the feasts. So we start with Passover and Passover, as we know, is the atonement sacrifice of Yeshua. He's the Passover lamb on the cross. We had unleavened bread where Yeshua is the bread of life found without leaven where he overcome death. Next we have first fruits and Paul describes God. He said, uh, sorry, he describes Yeshua. He says Yeshua is the first fruits and he, in this feast, we know he ascended to God as that first fruit offering as the high priest. Next, we have Pentecost. We, we all know and love this one. This is where the Holy Spirit was given out on, at the book of Acts. And also where a lot of us, but myself include, believe this is where the Torah was given, the time the Torah was given at Mount Sinai. So that's the first four sp spring feasts we have. And then what happens then? We lead then into the fall feasts. Now, what's curious about the fall feast is a lot of people believe, ourselves included, mm. that these feasts have not yet been fulfilled. So we start literally with a bang. We start with the Feast of Trumpets, the shofar blast, and that's when we believe he's going to return. We'll share a few scriptures with you in a second. But then after that, we get what? The Day of Atonement. Mm -hmm. And this Day of Atonement is likened to the great white throne room judgment, where in the Torah, there's two goats. One is cast outside the city and one is brought into the city. And then lastly, we have the Feast of Sukkot, which as we know is the Feast of Tabernacles in English. And this is representative, representative of the wedding supper of the lamb, us the bride meeting with the bridegroom and having that joyous feast with the king, then going into the eighth day representing the eternal with God, the new heaven and new Jerusalem. So why do we believe as a ministry that this is the appointed time Yeshua will return. Well, when we see the feasts in context like that, it has to be trumpets. And when we 
look at a few supporting scriptures of his return, this just really starts to make sense. Let me share with you these two scriptures. So we've got 1 Thessalonians again, and it's chapter 4. It says, For the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. So powerful, powerful scripture of his return and trumpets being there. Now, in the book of Numbers, Israel was actually commanded to use trumpets for when they was to go out and for when they was assemble. Trumpets are used to assemble Israel. And it's no different than it is today when we go out and evangelize on the Feast of Trumpets and when he returns and he gathers Israel back with the trumpet calls. Mm -hmm. Let me just share with you two more scriptures and then I'll hand it over to me, Brother Joe. Bless you, bro. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Again, it comes up with the trumpet. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So there's two scriptures here that tell us he will return with a trumpet blast. And once we understand the context of the appointed times, this can only be at the feast of trumpets. And a lot of people, we get it all the time, might say to us, well, Jack, Joe, isn't that a bit Jewish? Aren't these feasts Jewish? But when we read the word of God in context, Genesis chapter one, listen to this. God says, let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now this word seasons is moedim in the Hebrew and this can mean the festivals of God also. So what is our application? Why are we on here raving about the Feast of Trumpets tonight? Well, Friday, as the season changed, as the new moon is sighted, and as we go into that seventh month, as commanded in the Book of Torah, we will go out with our shofars and we will proclaim, like watchmen, that the king is coming back and he's going to gather Israel and he's going to gather the remnant and we are going to be his priests and be his army of God. So that is the application for us. Yes, we evangelize all, to, all year round, but for us, this is a significant time mm. where Yah comes to meet with us. And I know that my brother Joe's got some beautiful typologies that he would like to share regarding the Feast of Trumpets. Yeah, bless you, brother Jack, and thanks again, PD. Uh, and thank you all for tuning in online. The applications um, are beautiful, really, when we examine what the Feast of Trumpets is. Um, a lot of people go out and they blow a shofar, they blow a trumpet. But I want to submit to you guys who are watching online that we, in fact, have to become the shofar blast. We have to become the teruah in the Hebrew. We have to become a horn in Zion. We have to warn people, but we have to compel people also to return back to the covenant because the king is coming back. And we see the typology of Joshua, who marched around Jericho with seven priests and seven trumpets. And then on the last seventh day, with a great shout, the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. And we have been delegated authority to overcome uh, evil. And we have been delegated authority to bring strongholds down, to tear strongholds oh. down. Uh, as the scripture says that we are called to cast down vain imaginations. So I'm going to suggest to you today, beloved, that if there is a, a, a stronghold of captivity in your life, maybe this Yom Teruah, this, this uh, 
day of trumpets is the day of release. It's a day when the walls of Jericho will come tumbling down. It's the day when the chains will be broken. It's the day when the walls will come down with the voice and the authority of our Mashiach. So if there's anything that's been plaguing you and keeping you in prison and captivity with the, with the authority and the voice of Yeshua Mashiach, let the walls of the captivity come tumbling down at this time of Yom Teruah. Trust in our Kohen Hagadol, our High Priest Yeshua. Follow him in his appointed time and his Moedim. Step into the prophetic, uh, the dance of the bride and the bridegroom. And uh, be arrayed with the armor of God. Mm. Remember, um, we are called to be in this spiritual battle. Our weapons are not carnal. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, we need to be arrayed in Yeshua. We have to have our, our spiritual armor on. We have to put on Mashiach and enter into Messiah. And doing this, um, we are given that authority. And we can be like the Israelites of old. And we can take these uh, pagan strongholds down, these, these uh, strongholds of bondage in our life. And we can be like Rahab as well. Let us not forget Rahab. Let us cast out uh, the scarlet out of our house, uh, the blood of Yeshua. Let us array our house in the scarlet thread, which is the crimson worm, our Mashiach, and, and his victory at the cross of Calvary. So that when he comes and he returns, though we may have been the harlot and, and, and played the whore and been uh, a prostitute and served other gods, we can be redeemed and even grafted into his spiritual commonwealth. He comes back and he takes us as part of his people. And in fact, we can even be that bride. So let us be like Rahab. Let us, let us have our house identified with the scarlet thread, the blood of Yeshua, so that when he returns with his angels, with his Melechim, that they will see that we are his people and we will be grafted into his commonwealth. Beautiful. And as Joe says there, let us become the shofar. Let us be watchmen on the wall. Like Paul says, don't be those who have fallen asleep. We are the sons of light. So it is our duty to blow the shofars. It is our duty to wake those who are sleeping. And us as a community, as a fellowship, we feel this time, as the clock in the sky turns, it's our duty to go out and to reach the community more than ever because one year he's coming back on trumpets. It might oh, not yeah. be this week. It could be this week. might be this week. <laughs> it could be, be next year. Yeah, me too. So we need to be ready for this. And this That's is a right. time of, 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 of preparing now as the bride, as we lead up to that wedding supper of the Lamb. So if those who are out there and are on their own and may not have a fellowship, um, you can still go out and you can proclaim his name in this season now. Hallelujah. And that proclamation, you are that proclamation. You are that living testimony. Amen. We don't just speak the gospel. We are the gospel. We, uh, we're not a byproduct of, 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 of a good news sermon that was preached in the pulpit. We are the good news. We are the good news. And it is the great and terrible day. Mm. So though we may have sound like, wow, this is a, a, a great and terrible time. It's not all so morbid. It's an awesome time. It's, mm. the, it's, a, it's a terrible and awesome time. Awesome that 
And when our king comes back, we're going to paradise. It was after the walls of Jericho came tumbling down that the Israelites were allowed to enter in, that Rahab was grafted in, that her household was saved, and that the typology of the, the land flowing with milk and honey uh, is a blueprint for the promised land of paradise that we will enter into with our, with our Yehoshua, Yeshua. So it's a great time because oh, this is a time <laughs> we're going to be waiting to enter in. We're on the cusp of the promised land. Yep. We're on the cusp of paradise and being with our so I just want to encourage everyone out there that we are going to a great place and if he does return we have to be ready and the Moedim praise God for that it allows us to prepare ourselves mm. to prepare our house I would encourage fasting staying in the word at this time reflecting on who you are in the Lord reflecting and remembering all the things that he's done for you arming yourself spiritually bringing the walls of your captivity down with the shofar blast step into the great deliverer our mashiach who give us all delegated authority to overcome we are more than conquerors we are more than conquerors in yeshua amen Hallelujah. amen thanks brother that was beautiful Bless you, pd we'll hand it back over to you thank you for inviting us on the show from our house to your house shalom, shalom. Brother. thank you Wow, thank you guys so much for sharing that. I love how you said that we are the shofar. We are that trumpet blast and we should be shouting out in the streets, both figuratively and literally, to let others know to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And like you said, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim liberty to those in bondage, that we can walk in freedom, but also that others can walk in the freedom that Yeshua brings, that we can, like Rahab, because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of our testimony, we can walk into that promised land. Amen. Guys, that was beautiful. Hey, um, for anyone who's listening tonight, you know, uh, you guys shared about how this is a day for breaking the chains as that trumpet cry is blown. You know, I believe that in the heavenlies on the Feast of Trumpets, there is a celebration on the feast days. It's not just that we're celebrating it, but if we are, how much more is it being celebrated even in the heavenlies? And so when there are trumpet blasts happening in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm as we celebrate it, is that not there to break the chains as the enemies of God, as Satan, his kingdom and his oppressions have to flee? And so I just pray, Father, for anyone who is listening right now, who has bondage in their life of whatever nature, Father, that you would come of your Holy Spirit and your trumpet cry and break the chains off of them spiritually, that the demons would leave, that the oppressions, the sicknesses, the depressions, the suicides and all the other things that he may try and put on us, that those would leave in the name of Yeshua. Father, we thank you for your freedom. Amen. All right, guys. Uh, next up, we have Trinity. Trinity, Trinity is going to be sharing with us some of her testimony. We're so excited to hear that. She is a part of the Nameless Disciples, a group of young people who are traveling all over the United States to hit the streets and speak to people about Yeshua, to go and enter churches, conferences, and all kinds of events to be a light to this nation. And they're doing amazing work at that, speaking the light of Messiah into the hearts of people. And so Trinity, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. Hello, everybody. I am Trinity. I'm 19 years old. Like the times that we're living in right now, we are living in such exciting times. The things that we are seeing, just the shift, honestly, that has happened this year, last year, 
within these last couple of years has just been insane. And the fact that we are able to come in and be the hands and the feet of Messiah is just insane. So guys, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much to Rise and Fire Ministries for just allowing me to share what it is that the Lord has done because guys, he's done so much. Um, I'll just start a little bit with my testimony. Um, yeah, I would have definitely came to that point of taking my own life. I know that maybe, you know, that, that sounds harsh or whatever, but that was my reality. Um, I'll just kind of give you a little background. I grew up around Christianity. I grew up in it. Like I, I grew up from a line of pastors and worship leaders. So I was around all of that stuff growing up. I was in church every single Sunday. You know, I, I knew the, the Bible stories. You can ask me like Bible trivia stuff like, oh, I got you. But I just remember always feeling super insecure. Honestly, that was a really big issue with me. Looking back now, the enemy really tried to steal my identity, like fully, 100%. I just remember just never liking the way I looked, liking the way I sounded. I thought I wasn't, you know, worthy of love. All of all of these different lies that I thought were truth that I took upon myself. I just remember being so young and just thinking like, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna be silent because I feel like everybody hates me or I don't have something valid to say or just anything like that. Just a whole bunch of nonsense, honestly, that I just didn't tell anybody about because I thought it was normal. I grew up in the church, but I just wanted to be liked by everybody. You know, I grew up around God-fearing people, but I wanted to be liked by others. So I just became uh, whoever I was around, honestly. So I just, you know, I didn't get in with the, the best crowd, you can say. And so just because I wanted to please this party, I started doing these things. But then also I came around my family and church people and I was like, oh, I wanna please this party, so I'm gonna become these things. This just left me feeling really confused and I fell into a lot of depression. Like I had depressive um, episodes and there were just times where I'm just like, I don't even wanna wake up. Like, I just don't even want to go through another day. And then from like the depression, it led to like a lot of suicidal thoughts. And I was just like, oh, it'd be better if I wasn't even here. Like I was just feeding into all of these things. I was 16 and I just remember this one night just crying out to God because I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. I came to that place of desperation. And I feel like that's where we all need to be to truly, you know, want to seek out and follow after God is I came to the end of myself. I came to that place of just saying, okay, I can't do this on my own. I know that you're real. I know because I just do. I just knew, I just knew ever since I was younger, I was like, I know you're real, but I need you to save me. I need a savior. And I remember praying just like a really hard prayer of like, Lord, I need you. I, I really can't do this on my own. If I, if you know, you don't show up then I'm just going to kill myself. Like that's just literally what it came down to. And just through a lot of crying out, my mom was going through her own transformation within herself because, you know, we struggled as a family and I saw that there were struggles and I believe that it was generational, the things that were passed down because she dealt with the same thing, you know, suicide, uh, self-hatred, all these other things. I, I know that she dealt with that stuff and I saw that there was a major difference in her. Like there was just something, it was like night and day and I was like, mom, like what is so different about you? Like what, what is this? Like I, you know, I know my mom, like. We, I like kind of live with her, you know, <laughs> she kind of raised me. I know who she is. And so I just saw that there was just like a brightness to her. And I was like, mom, like what, what's going on? And she told me that she went through deliverance and how that there is power in the name of Jesus in the name of Yeshua, you know, like there is so much power. And I felt like I never really saw that. 
I never saw that growing up. Um, you know, we read about it, but I never actually saw it for myself. And she was just, you know, starting to tell me her testimony and telling me, you know, just ask, like, just ask to understand if he will give you understanding. He's a good father. And so I started to ask these questions and I started to seek it out for myself. And long story short, we ended up going to this event and I saw the hand of God all over it. I saw like the presence, the true power and demonstration, the things that we see in Acts. I started to see that for myself. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, I didn't know, I didn't know demons were still being cast out. I didn't know people were still being healed. Like, this is, this is so wild. And it just really, I had to kind of take a step back and I was like, whoa, like, what? Like, this is crazy. And I just started asking myself these questions. And it's like, well, if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, like, of course this stuff should be happening. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, whoa, this is crazy. There's actually life behind this faith. Like, there are actually deeds. Like, they're actually walking it out. You know, it's not just sayings or it's not, they're actually doing it. And I just saw that and I was like, oh my goodness, I just saw that there was so much life. And I heard the gospel preached for the first time. Or let me say this, I heard the gospel preached for the first time with ears to hear and eyes that could see and a heart that was ready. He was drawing me this whole time. The father was was drawing me with his kindness. He was drawing me to that place of repentance. And when I heard them preach on repentance, that is kind of that is definitely the part that just struck me and that pricked my heart because they talked about it like this. They wouldn't say they talked about repentance as not just something you said, but actually something you did. You actually walked out because we're supposed to walk out our faith with fear and trembling. But that part of repentance of turning away from the sin, putting away with it, not just saying, oh, I'm sorry, God, and going back to the vomit, but instead saying, God, I am so sorry. I'm falling on my face. I don't want anything to do with that at all if it's going to separate me and you. If that's going to separate me and you, I don't want it. And so I came to that place. I dealt with a nicotine addiction for three years. Um, and from then on, like from coming to that place, after I, I heard that word, I heard the gospel preached, my heart was pricked. And I was like, what do I do next? They're getting baptized. I was like, oh, there's no way I'm getting baptized. I don't even, I'm not even ready for this. Then the father just really grabbed a hold of my heart and was like, no, you need to get in that water. So I got into that water. Oh my gosh, I <laughs> repented of every single thing that I've ever done, ever. Literally, I was just like, they were like, okay, what is this that you're wanting to leave in the water? Because they, they really explained baptism as becoming a new creation. So I went under that water. I always say I went under just like a scared, lonely, insecure, depressed little girl. And I came up just, I was like, I can feel the love of God for the first time. Like I just felt his presence. I was like, I opened my eyes and I felt like I saw colors. I heard colors. Like everything was so different. I'm not even joking. Something happens in the spiritual realm. And you know, they prayed for the Holy Spirit and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was just crazy and they did deliverance on me and things were coming out and I just felt so different. I felt like this weight was just lifted off of my shoulders and I just literally felt, I was like filled with so much joy and I was like, oh my goodness, like this is so insane. And as I was walking back, I was baptized at the beach, I was walking back to the shore and and they were like, okay, now you're going to go baptize this person. I was like, wait, like, isn't that just for like pastors or like people that are experienced? And they're like, no, like once you become a disciple, now go, it's time to go and make disciples. And so I'm like, what? And so then I ended up like, you know, baptizing this girl. And, I, and again, it was just 
having that heart that was willing because it is nothing of myself. The place that I am at now, the opportunities that I get, like it is not because of me. It is all because of him and what he has done and the the purpose that he has given out. I'm like, now I'm, I have a purpose. My purpose is to walk out whatever it is that he has called, whatever it is that his word has called me to do, whatever it is that he is placing upon my part. Like that is what I want to do the rest of my life. And from then on, like this new fire just came upon me. Like my life was forever changed. I can never go back to the way that I was because he had changed me so much because of the life that he has now given me because of the name that he has written upon me because of his blood. I am forever changed. And now this is all I want to do. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't even want to go back to like any of that other stuff. Like, you know, put off all of that stuff, all the drinking, all the partying, all of the self pity, all of that stuff. You know, I don't want to go back to it. Like it's not worth it. None of that stuff is worth it because he is all worth it because of what he has done to me, my only response is, here is everything. Like you did everything for me, so like I wanna give you everything too. It's just like the only thing that I can say. And like, don't get me wrong, I still go through struggles. I still go through all these different things, but I know that I'm not alone. And I know that it's, you know, I'm just like, what what is it that you're teaching me in this? Or, you know, I have the authority to say like, no, get behind me, Satan. That is not of God. That is That is not my heavenly father speaking. So I, you know, I have the authority in the name of Yeshua and the name of Jesus to say that that's not him. And I just want to say that he wants to do the exact same thing for you. Maybe if you felt like your fire has dimmed or, or maybe you feel like you don't even really know him or if there are struggles, you know, like he is your redeemer. He is your restorer. He is your deliverer. You will find everything that you need in him. He set me free of anxiety, depression, and suicide. If those are things that you're dealing with, he wants to set you free of those. We're not supposed to walk. We're not, we're not supposed to walk in bondage. We're supposed to walk in freedom and not freedom to do our own thing, but instead freedom to live for him. That's something that I really had to experience is that it's a daily walk. It's a daily surrender. It's not just a one-time thing like, hey, he saved me from so much. Okay, peace out. I'm going to go live for myself. Like, no, this is a daily walk. He wants your daily yes. He just wants you to be available and he'll do the rest. Okay, if you're available, if you're willing, that is something that's huge. If you're willing, he will use you. I would say get alone and get with him. See what it is that he is saying to you right now. Look at his word. I mean, you know, the Great Commission gives it to you right there. Like, go make disciples, you know, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. Like, come on, Lord, increase our faith for that. Because we are living in the last days. I mean... You know, Yeshua passed his baton off to us. Once he left, he said, now you're going to be doing things even greater. Like that should just give it to us right there. And it is so exciting to be able to lay our life down for the one who has laid his life down for us first. Yeah, the father is, is calling all of us to a place of deeper surrender. This was, this happened to me two years ago, two, three years ago, like two and a half years ago about. And he is still calling me to deeper surrender each and every single day. He is refining and he is calling us to that place to go deeper and deeper and deeper with him. So meet with him today, meet with him tonight, right now. Remember he is everywhere and his presence changes everything. And so we cannot do anything by ourselves. We cannot do anything alone, but only through his Holy Spirit, through his Holy Spirit, call upon his name and he will, he will save you. 
And so whatever it is that you're going through, call upon the name of the Lord and he will come to your rescue. And so, yes, oh, it's all praise and glory to him. Like it is so worth it to be radical. Like, why would we want to like live this life like a dead faith? Like, no, my gosh, we're supposed to be excited for this. We're supposed to be passionate. We're supposed to be just going after it because guys, it's worth it. It's worth all of our lives. It's worth all of our time. I just pray that the father brings you deeper or if you haven't really have that relation, if you don't really have that relationship with him, I pray that he'll reveal himself to you, but also it takes him seeking. Keep on knocking, I promise he's gonna open up that door. And I also just wanna leave, if there are younger people watching this, you know, from a fellow young person, dude, it's so amazing giving your life to the Lord at a young age. Like being able to walk with him and being able to be his hands and feet. Like it's the best thing ever. I remember I used to think when I was younger, I was like, oh, you know, like that stuff's for older people. Like maybe when I'm, maybe when I'm a little bit older, like I will, you know, I'll give him everything. But like, no, give him everything now and see what happens. Like it is so cool. And no matter your age, I mean, if you look at all the young people, look at David in the Bible, look at Samuel, he was serving from being, being a youth, he served. And so the father wants to use you no matter if you're two, if you can talk, like, bro, he'll use you. Just again, just allowing him to, giving him space to use you, like making room. Uh, a word that he gave me from that song, you know, I will make room for you. Yes, like get out of the way. It's not just about making room, like, bro, like get out of the way and he'll do his thing. Trust me, his ways are better. His plans are way higher than we can ever think. And so laying our lives down for the sake of the gospel, for, the, for his name's sake, worth it when you're young. Do it and see what happens. So Pity and Christina asked if I could share a couple songs with you and through prayer and my mom's suggestion, <laughs> uh, I wanted to share this song called Forsake It All. So my brother and I actually wrote this when we were both freshly baptized because Long story short, it's a whole nother testimony. But after uh, my baptism, it went through my whole entire family. Like family revival for sure broke out and um, it was just really special. But that's for a different time. Praise God. <laughs> so this song's called Forsake It All. Forsake it all Because of the
my pride Oh, take it all and renew my mind Refine me in fire And make my desires aligned with your word You give just as to the weekend I so I can see you Call the raging seas Give me rest when I'm in need So what we have to do is reach into your truth and walk blamelessly. And all I want, and all I need, and all I want, and all I need, and all I want, all I Wow, that was beautiful, Trinity. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And like you said, finding our identity in Yeshua. And guess what? Walking like Yeshua is for today. Like you said, there is such freedom in walking as he walked, in walking in obedience to our Father's commands, and also walking in the power of his Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Yeshua from the dead lives within us to bring freedom to others, to share the good news of his kingdom with others. And yes, we are called to cast out demons, to pray for the sick, and as disciples, to make disciples. Amen. And your testimony is so relevant to this feast because, well, the Feast of Trumpets is a feast of repentance. As we are here tonight looking, thinking about his return, we are thinking also about what does that really mean? And like the Almond House shared with us earlier, it also refers back to the fact that there is going to be a day that it is both an awesome day but also a terrible day because awesome for us who are being saved, but terrible for the world who is perishing. And so we want to make sure and audit our lives in this moment and on this day and be like, God, are we part of the world or are we part of your kingdom? Because it's one thing to say, but what do we live like? And that's what I love about your uh, testimony, Trinity, is because you know, so many people just like 
that went through just like what you went through and what your family went through and what my family went through, where we went to church, we went through the motions. I grew up understanding about God and all these things, but we were lukewarm. And yet God called us out of that, put a fire in us and made us disciples. Are you a disciple? That is the big question. So and last thing. Yeah young people, children, teens, young adults who are listening, like Trinity said, do not wait into, until you're old and gray to say, okay, I'll follow God later. Let me have fun now. This is the day. This is the time to say, God, here I am. Send me, use me. He has such a beautiful and powerful calling for your life. Tell him, Hineni, here I am, God. Send me. Amen. So next we have Nathan Harmon, my brother. He is from uh, Your Life Speaks. He travels all over the country. They have 10 meetings, 10 revivals, reaching the lost. He's a true evangelist at heart. And he also travels speaking. God has opened main door for him, just speaking at schools all over the nation, reaching young people um, with the words of freedom that God has given him. So Nathan, brother, thank you so much for joining us. Good evening, everyone, and I hope you are having a phenomenal um, feast of trumpets, Yom Teruah, blowing of the trumpets, rejoicing, clapping of the hands, shouting that you know what, God is able, and that one day prophetically in the future, He's going to return. You know, He did the work of redemption when He was the Passover lamb. He's sent His Holy Spirit on Pentecost to empower us, to teach us, to comfort us, to allow us to walk with confidence with God. And also one day he's going to return. And so there's faith on the earth because we're willing to do Bible things, Bible ways. And I'm just finishing up here in LaPel, Indiana. And I got done speaking to a bunch of high school students about mental health and suicide and substance abuse and the counterfeit connection that the world tries to offer us. And I'm just excited to get to spend a few moments with you and to share my heart Thank you to Petey and Christina and Rise on Fire and the work that they're doing to continue to stay on the wall, declaring not only do we need to know truth, but we need to walk truth out by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the relationship that we have with Yeshua. And, you know, this evening, as I share just a few scriptures and hopefully add any kind of fruit, any kind of value, anything from the Spirit to you this evening, it, it has to really come down to not only should we be every year celebrating this moment with the blowing of the trumpets, but that word teruah mentioned in the scriptures in Leviticus 23 talking about the feast, that it's not just directly connected to the blowing of the shofar. That it's also connected to the word of rejoicing. It's connected to the word of shouting. It's connected to the word of hope. It's connected to the word of alarm, yes. But it's really just learning as a follower of Yeshua to live daily in this mindset of teruah, of rejoicing and using our voice, using our mouth, using one of the very most powerful tools that God has given us, our ability to praise, to worship, to declare, 
to proclaim the promises and the words of God. And and so, Father, right now, as I just get ready just to share a few moments, God, I ask your Holy Spirit to be with us and in this conference and to all the other speakers and to all the other believers across the earth that are willing to do Bible things, Bible ways. God, I just ask right now that you just allow what comes out of my mouth to be edifying to you. And it's in Yeshua's name. Amen. You know, one of the first places that you see the word teruah, and that word teruah, when you read it in Leviticus 23, and I'll read this real quick for you in this, but when it says, uh, you know, speak to the children of Israel saying, the seventh month is the first of the month. You shall have a Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of the trumpets, a holy convocation. That word teruah, blowing of the trumpets, it's, it's used 36 times throughout Scripture. Teruah. It's used to shout, shouting, alarm, blowing, sounding, joyful, jubilee, noise, rejoicing, shouted. It's so much more than just this one moment on this day of blowing the shofar. Really, there is a mindset, there is a tool, there is a gift that God has given you and I. And it's the truth of the power of our words, the ability of of rejoicing in the Lord and magnifying the Lord and knowing that, that He inhabits our praises, that there's a shout of a King inside of us. And that every single day, just like what the, the, the blasting of the trumpets can sometimes mean, being this alarm, this signal, that you and I have a weapon and that weapon is mighty for pulling down strongholds and, and pulling down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge and the reality of God. And it's your voice. Proverbs says life and death is in the tongue. And that if we can just every day continue to get above it and not always stay in the middle of it. And what I mean by that is get above sometimes the emotion, get above sometimes the the reality of some of the challenges that are in front of you, knowing that God is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent and he's everywhere at all times, at all places, and that you can use that tool called your voice. I want to I want to pull up here really quick in, in numbers one of the the places that you see the word teruah is when the children of Israel are getting ready um they're on the brink of getting ready to cross into the promised land and they're at Abel Shatim which is the 42nd campsite and they're right there at the base of the Galadian mountains and at the base of Mount Nebo and where Moab and Gilead kind of converge and the uh, one of the kings of Moab at the time, he, he summons the prophet and it's the story of Balak and Balaam. And he wants um, Balaam to come and, and, and curse the children of Israel. And, and he ends up coming and he, he wasn't going to come. And then he comes and it's with a donkey kind of speaks to him and rams him because the angel was going to lop off his head. And so he gets there. And it's this back and forth of these different prophecies where the king of Moab's wanting him to curse the children of Israel, but he only continues to bless them. And, and in this space, there's this, this one prophecy 
and he says this, and, and I'll read it to you really fast, and it's in Numbers 23. And he says, in Numbers 23, verse 19, it's the second prophecy um, where Balaam's about to bless Israel. And he says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, will he not do? Has he spoken, will he not make good? Behold, I have received a command to bless and bless and I can't reverse it. And then he goes on and he says, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen the wickedness in Israel. The Lord is his God is with him and the shout of a king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. But in verse 21 and 22, when he says, he has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. And if you understand the time frame of this, this is at the end of the journey. They're about to cross in to the promised land and they have made many of mistakes and they have went left when they should have went right when it comes with their behavior and their trust. They followed the cloud. They didn't mess that one up. They followed the pillar of fire by night. They didn't mess that one up. But at times they weren't using the, the authority and the promises and this trusting God. And so they found themselves complaining and they found themselves at times getting off track and getting involved with some of the, the things of the world. But yet here God, as this prophet is overlooking them, he still says he hasn't observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he saw the wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with them and the shout of a king is among them. And that word, the shout of a king being among them is the word teruah. And so you watching this tonight, listen, the righteousness of Yeshua, you know, no matter how much we try to do the feasts and no matter how much we try to walk out every jot and tittle, no matter how much in our own strength we try to obey the Torah, it'll never be enough. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, but it's because the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of Yeshua, Him alone, and it's the same thing that I believe that you see Balak and Balaam in this back and forth, that God didn't see the iniquity of Israel or the wickedness of Jacob. He saw the shout of the king that was amongst them. It doesn't mean that they were perfect. It doesn't mean there wasn't consequences for some of their mistakes and walking in sin knowingly or unknowingly. God longs for us to obey Him. He's empowered us by His Holy Spirit to follow Him because the wages of sin, when we get outside of God's umbrella, outside of God's covering, we're in the enemy's playground or we're in the places where darkness can manipulate. But we know that God is light and we know Yeshua is the light of the world. And the more we cling to Him and build relationship with Him, darkness can't have a hold. It can't have a stronghold. See, there's a Teruah in you and there's a Teruah in me. There's a shout of the King within us. And it's the righteousness of Messiah alone. And because we have belief and because He sent His Spirit, we can now walk this out with spirit and truth and live 
an empowered life. Live a life of overcoming. Live a life where we can also have grace and mercy with those people around us. Have a life where we can breathe and not get caught up in the lower areas of the practical, but get above it in the spirit and to ruah and to praise and to worship and to know that if we magnify him, if we spend time with him, every strong and mighty thing that tries to come against the things of God will be brought low. Our weapons aren't carnal, but they're mighty. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not by our strength. It's by his spirit. And so on this Yom Teruah, and yes, there is great prophetic ramifications and implications about the return of Messiah that I believe we're getting closer and closer to. But it's also empowering this day and not letting this just be a one-off day, a one-off weekend, but knowing we can walk daily in Teruah and clapping and praising and rejoicing because he inhabits our praises. And when he inhabits something, wherever he is, he transforms it. He translates it. He purifies it. He magnifies it. He makes crooked things straight. So if you're struggling on this Yom Teruah, I, I, I would beg you to begin to raise your voice, to begin to cry out and declare, God, invade, intersect intercept my situation and I'm going to praise you through the storm. I'm going to magnify you in this place. I'm not just going to wait for once a year for the blowing of the trumpets, but I'm going to realize that my voice, I am a trumpet. I can Terua. I have the presence and the shout of a king, just like with Balak and Balaam. When God sees you, if you're in relationship with Yeshua, he doesn't see the wickedness and the corruption. He sees the righteousness of the Messiah. That alone can save you. And yes, we have a job to do by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to walk it out, to allow the fruit of the Spirit to take over the works of the flesh, to walk in love, joy, and peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, truth, meekness, self-control, you can never have self-control on your own strength. It's a fruit of the Spirit. So I love you guys. Be blessed. I hope you enjoy so many of the other communicators. It's an honor to be a part um, with this tonight with you. And so, Father, I ask in Yeshua's name that you just invade, intersect, and impact our lives. We bless you, God. We honor you, Lord. You alone our God. And it's in Yeshua's name. Amen. I hope you have a great rest of the Feast of Trumpets. God bless. Nathan, as you said, let our voices be voices that shed, share and speak rejoicing, that speak hope in Yeshua, that proclaim his 
testimony of the good news of Yeshua, of his coming, and how he came to wipe our sins away, that we can be raised again, and that he has come to bring new life for all those who trust in him. As we know in scripture, through God's spoken word, the universe came into existence. There is power in our word. So let us speak life, not death. Next up, we'll be hearing a message from PD with our ministry, Rise on Fire Ministries. If you're new to this page, this channel, our mission is to equip the body of Messiah to walk as Yeshua walked in spirit and in truth, to walk in obedience to our Father's word and to walk in the power of his Holy Spirit. PD will be sharing about how we can prepare and make ourselves ready for the moment of our King's return. Dear brothers and sisters, tonight we have been talking about this arrival of the King. And many of us have probably thought about that many times before, you know, whether that is theologically, theoretically, about what it would be like if he came back. But let me ask you this. If he was to come back right now, as I speak, where would you find yourself and would you be ready? Of course, many Christians, they would say, yeah, I would be ready. You know, what do you mean? What kind of a question is that? I mean, when we were talking about readiness, we know that I asked Jesus to come and live in my heart all those years ago. That seals me for the day he comes back. And that's that. The only problem is is the Bible doesn't tell us that we should ask him to come and live in our hearts. The scripture says you need to give him your life. And the scriptures talk about warnings for the end of days, that the world is going to be so desolate that it is not just those who are atheists or who don't believe or who are pagans or the, the typical characters who may be considered anti-Christ or scary and evil looking. No, the scriptures talks about a falling away. It talks about people who would be considered godly, religious, pretty on the outside. Everything that you could imagine would make their way into the kingdom of God. Yet the scripture says the world will become so desolate that even those would find themselves in the wrong kingdom. And I want to submit that that is what happened in the first century. We had these Pharisees who, when they saw Yeshua, they were perplexed in their hearts, pointing the finger at him. You know, because when we think about Antichrist, you know, we like I said, we, we consider that some evil Mark of the Beast character. However, in the first century, the Antichrists were clothed beautifully. They looked like everyone was like, these guys are going to be first in the kingdom of God. They loved the God of the Bible, they said. However, they were against God in the flesh. They loved the Bible itself, the words written. They would say, oh, that's cool. I like that. I teach that. However, when that Bible started walking around in the first century in the form of Jesus, they were offended and perplexed because his life convicted them of the desolation that they were laid in. And so I want to submit that he's coming back for a bride who doesn't just study what he studied. He's coming back for a bride who walked as he walked. 
And that's the big question that we have to think about here tonight. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before him and he says, Petey, you studied well. Petey, you you had all the knowledge. You had all the mysteries figured out. You had all of the the deepest things that no one else knew figured out. But where was your works? Where was your walk? Where was the fruit of the Spirit, love, patience, kindness, gentleness? Where was the love for your neighbor that was radical and different, that actually changed the hearts of the people that you were around? Where was that in your life? See, the people who will hear the part, I never knew you, worker of lawlessness, is a worker of lawlessness, not a talker of goodness or a talker of lawlessness. God is looking at our works and He is coming back as not just the Savior, which He is coming back, hallelujah, to do, but He's also coming back as a righteous judge. The scripture says, for example, in Revelation 22, verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. He says in Ecclesiastes 12, 14, For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Matthew 12, 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every single careless word that they speak. See, brothers and sisters, when we think about as in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. You know, in one sense, I could see that the world back then had no regard for the return of God. And no return regard for the words of God. But to, and today it's the same. The, the world has no regard for his coming yet again. They will say that would never happen. But what really distorts me that his believers, his followers, people who say they know him, have no true regard for his return anymore. Because if we say we're looking forward to his return and we're ready for him, that like I just said, if he's going to come back before the end of this talk, if that's what's going to happen, let's just say that here tonight. But yet we find ourselves normalized to this world, finding ourselves at home here. Or we find ourselves in a place we have truly forgotten our own depravity. Or we have found ourselves in a place we have lost the fear of God. Then we are truly not ready for his return. And I want to submit that those three things which I want to talk about here tonight are the very things that, generally speaking, you may find one of those you lack. So first off, we've become normalized to this world. Now, you know, I want you to think about this parable that I'm going to share with you here. Just imagine a man who goes and he goes to visit his friends. We would understand that as he visits those friends, he's he's there. Maybe he's having a meal with them. However, there comes a time as the evening progresses where there is an expectancy that that man will return to his house and and go home and and go get in his own bed and sleep. But if that man stayed, 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 as the time ticks on and he's having a drink, he's having a drink and he's getting drunk off of the wine of his friend and he forgets his own house, he forgets his address, where he has come from. He does not no longer know where he is going or where he comes from, in fact. 
Will he not find himself overstaying? And so I want to submit that. That is where many of us are. We have gotten so comfortable in this world, this place we now call home, even though it is not our home. We are overstaying in that we have forgotten our address. Our address is in a kingdom not of this world. And it is until we remember, we become sober again and remember, oh God, you are where my home is. I I am living for that place. I'm not going to get drunk on the pleasures of this world. See, dear brothers and sisters, we get so invested in this place. You know, yes, we, we have our houses that we buy here. We, we set up, we, we live in a city, we go to a school or a workplace, and, and all the things in our life fall into place. We f- take our kids to school, we go pick up our groceries, we go through all of the things in life that we have to go through, and that is fine. However, do you understand that you're a part of a kingdom not of this world, and that the kingdom that you're a part of is now here within you see the kingdom of god is a kingdom that is both coming and here now it is a kingdom that we are both looking forward to that is coming with yeshua but also is here now within you waiting to burst out of the people of god and we don't want to miss that kingdom that is here now within us while being distracted with all that is around us A people of God that is distracted by the things of this world and forgetting who they are as a temple of the Holy Spirit are not ready for His return because they are not busy being a light. And only those who are busy being a light will have the oil. And only those who have the oil will be let in as the virgins who were let in were let in. But where are you with that? The second thing that some of us have forgotten about is that we have forgotten our own depravity. And this really is a symptom of the gospel becoming boring to us, not being preached the way it should be. What is our depravity? See, the gospel message teaches us that Yeshua, that Jesus had to come and die because we were separated from the Almighty. And it is that understanding that helps us remain humble, helps us understand and be aware of our own sin and helps us to not be a pointing of the finger type of person because we recognize the grace that was afforded to us. There are people in this world who do not who, who understand their depravity, but they don't understand his grace. And so they live self-condemned. And there are people who understand his grace, but not their own depravity. So what they live like is blinded by their own sin. God is calling us to understand the grace that's been afforded to us, that He did come to save us, that He is coming for us, and He will raise us from the dead. But at the same time that He has saved us from our own sins, not because we are just good and of ourselves. And and look, I know this sounds kind of obvious, but so often our actions speak otherwise that we've forgotten this. Deuteronomy 9 verse 4 says, Do not say in your heart, After the Lord your God has thrust him out before you, it's because of my righteousness that God has brought me into possess this land. Verse 5, and that he may he's come to confirm the word that he swore to your fathers, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And then he goes on to verse 17. I took hold of the two tablets, Moses says, and I threw it and broke them before your eyes. See, God is saying, look, don't think it's because of your good works that I have saved you. I've chosen you. I've given you knowledge and wisdom and understanding and all the beautiful things you have. It is not because you're good. Remember that I threw the commandments and broke them before your very eyes. And see, that is exactly what God has done with each and every one of us. He has taken the commandments and he's thrown it before us and he's broken it before us because we have broken it. It's not that's what we have done because of our sins. And that should place us in a place of humility always. Oh God, refine me. Oh God, make me more like you. Oh God, I'm going to be slow to judge. I'm going to be slow to anger. I'm going to be slow to, to point a finger at my brother or sister who's got, who doesn't have everything right because I don't have anything right. And I know that the measure that I judge with, God, you will use that measure right back at me. The grace that I afford others will be afforded to me. And the grace I don't afford others won't be afforded to me. And that perhaps is is one thing we have to really understand is love your neighbor as yourself. The way you love your neighbor is going to really have a big role as to what your circumstances are going to be like when you face the almighty, because he's going to judge you based on how you loved him and how you loved your neighbor. The greatest commandments that everything else is summed up in. And so I want to submit, brothers and sisters, that you are going to be either a Pharisee or a tax collector before him. You're either going to be the man who says, Oh God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I tithe. I do all the good and godly and religious things like the Pharisees in the first century did. Or you're going to be the tax collector who beat his chest and who said, Oh God, I can't even look up to you. For I am a sinner and I don't even deserve to speak to you. Oh, God, have mercy on my soul. And it says in the scriptures that the Pharisee God was not justified, but the tax collector was. He received a reward before the king only because of his humility. And his works may not even have been as pretty as the Pharisee, but his humility was what justified him. Your humility will justify or condemn you. How you treat others will justify or condemn you. That Pharisee was condemned because he said, thank you. I'm not like other men being blinded by his own depravity. That was simply in another area as the man to whom he was pointing his finger at. So easy it's for us to lift up a law and say, oh, I'm holy. I'm holy. I'm holy in this area. But then we judge others in that specific area because they're not like we are in that area, but they're much better in another area where we are actually deprived in. And we are so blind that we don't see that, but he sees it all. He knows our heart better than we do. He knows our thoughts better than we do. He's more in our head than we are. It's good for us to really submit ourselves humbly before him and ask him to show us our sin before we go on a rampage to expose the sins of others. We can go. And we should be people of 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 unity and people of justice and people who also call out sin according to the biblical protocols he's laid out for us. However, when we do so, let's make sure we have nothing in our own eyes so we can judge clearly, because I'll be honest, brothers and sisters, when I look around the the trend is that God's people have a lot of stuff in their eyes 
and they are really struggling to judge clearly because of that. And if they would only humble themselves, perhaps then they could, when they face him, be fully ready. The last thing that I want to talk about here tonight is that we have lost our fear of God. When you think about his temple, it's like, wow, the temple of God, we revere it. And, you know, if if I could just metaphorically speak, if there was a temple of God in your city, like if you were in Jerusalem, the temple of God was there and it is it is legitimate, legitimately where he's put his name, right? It is legitimately where his presence is. Would you not be like in reverence of that as they were in the first century? Be like, wow, this is the temple of God, right? The, the blood was sprinkled here like this has been made holy. Amen to all of that. But then now when we come to this new covenant, which all of that, which we have studied points to, and we can understand that the temple that is here, as it was in the first century, Yeshua said, break down this temple and I will rebuild it in three days, right? He is saying, I will raise it because he's speaking about his body. He was the reality of the building. And he is saying, you are going to be the Lord of the world as well. You're going to be temples. And then we did. He said, I'm going to say my spirit and dwell you and fill you. And he sends his spirit and his spirit falls on us with tongues of fire. We get baptized in the spirit. We come become temples of the Holy Spirit. And as that occurs, we're changed forever. And ultimately, now, what does that mean for how you treat your brother and sister? If your brother or your sister is literally the temple of the spirit, this is not symbolic, brothers and sisters. Do you understand that this is not just symbolic, that this is reality? Do you understand that this is more real than the building? Do you understand this is more real than what happened in the building? That this has always been God's plan from the beginning to put us up as the temple. And so if that's true, and if the temple, if the Holy One of Israel, the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead, the holiest of all holy, lives in me, And I am now a holy of holies because that's what it means. And you are a holy of holies. What does that mean regarding how I should treat you, how I should love you, how I should be careful to judge, how I should be careful to gossip, how I should be careful to murder by my gossip and and slander, how I should be careful to betray your trust, how I should be careful around a heart of unity, how I should be careful to not spread falsehoods. See, brothers and sisters, who can tame the tongue? It is an evil that sits hell, that sits this world on fire with the fires of hell. And we are really going to need to repent because we as a people have failed our father in heaven in this area because we have set up hell inside of these temples and we have set out to defile the temples of God. And let me say like this, I'm ending as I end. Let me say it like this. You say, Peter, what are you talking about? They defiled the temple of God when they crucified the Messiah because he was the ultimate temple and they crucified him on a stake. And now I want to submit to you that we still do the same because we crucify. We put other believers on the cross as we murder them, just like we murdered the Messiah, because we do not. We come with false witnesses. We do not bring our two to three witnesses. We do not go to that person and ask for clarity. We go and we We idolize people, we exalt people, and then we have unequal weights and measures and all of these jealousies burn up inside of us and all of these things that I can go on and on and on. And you all know what I'm talking about. 
These very things we allow and by this we defile the temples of God that he is setting up. And so has anything then really changed? Are we not as our blood not stained yet again with the blood of the Messiah? Because he said, what you do to the least of these you do unto me. And so I, as for me and my house, I'm going to be careful as to how I judge my brother or my sister. I'm going to make sure that I have deep love for them and that I do not use unequal mighty measures and the way and the measure and the severity that I use to judge someone else. I'm going to keep in mind that God is going to use that same measure towards me. And if you're okay with that, fine, go ahead. But make sure that you're okay with the measure that you're using. And so I want to ask, Make sure that you are clean, that you are not falling away, that you're not allowing the temptations of the devil. And he's tempting us. He's coming after trying to steal our crowns because when the king comes back, the time is up. The time is ticking. Where will you find yourself? Father, I pray, O Lord, for everyone who is listening, Lord, I thank you, God, for that you are going to come back, that you've not forgotten us. But Father, I pray that you would, in this time, prepare our hearts, convict our hearts, come with your sword of the Spirit, Lord, change our hearts, make us more like you. And Father, help us to walk as you walked. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and just put a spirit of unity in your body, Lord. And Lord, put a standard that we're going to call each other to holiness. We're going to hold each other to account, but we are going to do so biblically and in love. And we're going to do so with the with the pursuit of your kingdom in mind and not with the pursuit of of our kingdoms or putting others down for the sake of it. So we may be exalted. But oh, Father, help us to have your face, that when others look at us, they see you. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we are about to go into the Q&A's panel discussion with all of the speakers that we have here tonight joining us. And so please stay tuned. We're going on a very short break just so that we can get everything ready for that. In a few minutes, we'll be with you. But in this time, as we prepare for that, I want to ask you if this has been a blessing to you. Many of these speakers are devoting their time and energy and labor to labor among us this day to bring this conference to you. It is our pleasure, but it has not come at no cost. And so if you would like to bring an offering towards your king for the Feast of Trumpets, you can do so towards this conference, making this possible and blessing those who are serving you here tonight. If you want to make a contribution, an offering, you can go to riseonfar.com slash partner. We want to say a special thank you to everyone who has joined us and who's partnering with us to make this possible. Thank you, PD, for sharing that. And now we're going to go into a short time of worship led by Trinity as we prepare for the live Q&A panel with our speakers in just a few minutes. So stick around, get your questions ready, and we'll see you in a few minutes. walk the walk, we will talk the talk. Most of all, we'll lay everything down for you, Lord. For the Lamb has conquered and I will follow 
looks like we're on we've just transitioned to the live Q&A section panel discussion and uh, I just want to say thank you so much if you've made it this far then you know how to celebrate the feast to really press in and just be with us here and be with everyone else in the chat thank you for being with us we're so excited to just spend some time here live with you um, and you know a big thank you to all of the other uh, speakers who's come on to join us in this time as well um, not every single one of the speakers was able to make it in this time. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, and so you'll see there's some black boxes around me here. Um, but thank you for bearing with us. Hey, guys, um, I want to open this up um, just saying that if you're in the chat, please write your questions in the chat. Say what's on your mind, on your heart, anything you've been wondering about regarding the Feast of Trumpets regarding this time, regarding the end times, regarding his coming, regarding your eschatology, <laughs> whatever you really have on your heart, uh, you can jump into the chat and, and just ask that away. Um, and so then we're going to be grabbing some uh, of those there. So I'm going to I'm going to just take the, one of the first ones here. Uh, and uh, maybe I can throw it Nathan's way, Nathan. Uh, and this question is from William. And uh, he, he's saying the following. He says, I'm going to Israel next week, Abba willing, for a 10-day with a Christian young touring company and led by a pastor. Do you have any advice and tips to evangelize in Israel? Um, it, gets, it gets challenging there, really just to let your light shine. Um, for most in Israel, if they're if they're Jewish and they're practicing rabbinical or they're Orthodox or they're in in a, a li somewhat of a, a living faith with you know um, Judaism, uh, they have a, a very typical stereotype of what we as believers are. You know, as idolaters, really they see the Holy Sepulchre, they see um, uh, a branch of Christianity that isn't really who I would say I am. Um, and probably, probably most of you aren't. And so, uh, it, you start mentioning Jesus, Yeshua, it can become a very, um, perplexing conversation just because of their idea of who Jesus is. It's right. not who we say who it is. And so my, my biggest advice to you would be, um, ask the Holy spirit and, and really be pressed in with him and allow him to be the author of when to say what not to say. Um, he's going to tell you better than I ever could. Um, he's, uh, something I'm, I'm passionate about right now is um, Kim Walker Smith had a song about 10 years ago and it's, I'm not going to talk about you like you're not in the room. And uh, so even right now, as we're answering questions and trying just to say, all right, Holy spirit, you know, um, give us wisdom. That, that's what I would tell you is just to allow the Holy spirit to lead you um, and let your life be a bigger witness than just trying to necessarily 
jam the gospel down with with words. I mean, God's going to make a way. Yah's going to open up doors if you have a heart to. If that's what He's called you there for, you know, honestly, He may be calling you home, and He's graced you the opportunity to go and touch some of the actual biblical lands. You know, when my family just went there in the last couple of years, multiple times there and in Jordan and just all of Israel and Egypt. Um, you know, it's not, I think sometimes we think we in the West can come and like, we can go and give them something. And we absolutely can give them Yeshua. We can give them Christ. But I think a lot of times we think that we can fix people. And sometimes we're invited, God's the Holy Spirit's inviting you over to the land. And maybe he just wants you to lock eyes on him right now and lose sight with just falling in love where, when where Yeshua walked and talking like him and living like him and just really owning that moment of being in the land, you know, with no preconceived ideas and just really say, God, give me wisdom while I'm, you've invited me here. Let me leave here, you know, changed with my intimacy with, with the Ruach, with the spirit. That's what I would tell you, my friend. That's a good answer, brother. Thank you for that one. Um, Hey, I'm going to throw this next question Chris's way. Chris, uh, so Shikana is saying the following. Also, how to share the truth about feasts to other Christian believers without letting fear get in the way? Chris, as a pastor, what would you say to someone who desires to share more about that part of their faith with someone who isn't aware of the feast days or really what we're doing here tonight? Yeah, well, I think first off, it's beautiful to, to hear uh, somebody who who is not overzealous, um, because a lot of times in the root space of Christianity, the first thing we want to do is is like just go shove the feasts and the festivals down any person's face or or throat or or light that we can, and so um, that's that's really beautiful that there is some sort of 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 like okay, how do I do this? Am I supposed to do this? Like, what does that look like? And so I would I would encourage you, first and foremost, um, I think pretty much if you listen to all the teachings tonight, uh, there there's a huge emphasis on um, not letting the talk be the only thing that happens, but to actually walk the walk. And so um, I'm actually going to steal a, a, a thought here from Nathan Harmon. A lot of times we'll take the feasts and the festivals and, and we'll try to just go and share them with every person, Baptist, Pentecostal, non-believers, our family members, whatever. But a lot of times we serve them on what Nathan calls a dirty plate. And that is like, we're arguing with our family or we don't really maybe know what we're doing or why we're doing it. And we're still just really trying to get before the presence of God and be empowered by the Holy spirit to do it. And so if you feel like, okay, am I supposed to go and share with someone? Um, I would be in constant prayer, maybe even some fasting, if, especially if there's a divine appointment you feel like you have, and then really kind of go at it from just a, a, a very humble approach of, hey, I've really found a lot of beauty in my my celebration of trumpets or in my family celebration tonight we uh we marched up and down the street jericho style with another family who lives around the block blowing shofars and we weren't trying to just force it down anybody's throat we were just having a good old time blowing the shofar and and trying to be a light and so um i i would say 
if you're walking in fear right now, then maybe the Lord's trying to teach you something or he's trying to show you something and how you can approach that or who you should talk to or whatever that is. And so I would really press into a prayer time and I would press into uh, exactly how the Lord would have you do that. Because if you say one thing, but your actions do the other, you might actually be the stumbling block for somebody to find the joy and the Holy Spirit in the feast. Mm, that's good, brother. Absolutely. You know, and I think many people even listening to this could relate with how they have perhaps shared things different wrongly in the past. And if you look at Yeshua, look at the life of Jesus, how he walked it out, he was very personal and he really um, was very targeted as to how he approached a certain person based on what they were, whether they were Jew or Gentile, their background, the things they were struggling with, and leaning on his gifts and the Holy Spirit so much, you know, saying just the right words, you know, like I, I always love that story about the Samaritan woman where he's just sharing that that word that no one else could have shared in that moment that just hit her. He wasn't having a, there was some theological arguments there, right, about, you know, is this where the temple is or that, but even besides for that you know sometimes we want to get so deep into like the theological arguments and debates and stuff but in that moment the holy spirit just kind of wiped all of the divisions aside between him and a samaritan woman by that word that he gave her about her past and what she's going through and that was what really opened her heart and eyes to who he was and so we can by the holy spirit leaning on him have the same happen through us so, yeah, brother, Chris, thank you so much for sharing that. That is so good. Um, Amy, uh, I have another question here. That's for you. I think it's going to suit you well. Um, so I'm going to read it. Amy, I love the fun and simple ideas you gave about keeping the Feast of Trumpets. I'm new to keeping this feast and I have little kids. What's a craft or something your family has done to make this feast fun for kids or teens? I mean, you get to make noise. It's the feast of making noise. And that's like a kid's specialty. Let them make noise, tolerate it, put in earplugs if you have to. Let them make noise, but let them understand why they're making the noise. All the things you heard tonight, kids can understand that at their level. Um, so you can make little shofars, but you know, honestly, little trumpets, like I think scripturally, it's, it's like a silver trumpet this time of year, right? So any trumpets, any noisemakers, kazoos, all kinds of things, like those little music kits that you get with the shakers and the tambourines, all of that stuff. And if you turn it into singing and dancing, even better. But yeah, you can do all kinds of crafts. Um, there's some links on my blog. Um, Land of Honey blog has some great crafts there. Um, you can even go on Amazon and buy some little things. But um, with such short time, just use what you have around the house. Bang pots. Bang pots and go outside and make noise make it fun for them make them know that the feasts are not for the grown-ups a lot of time at these feast times we have all these grown-up level discussions and talks but it's okay to also we should engage the kids so this is a good question moms always want to engage our children and to make it fun for them make it something that they would remember but to sort of understand the meaning behind it mm, that's good thank you for sharing amy I think it's so important for us to be mindful of our kids and how we could really make this a fun experience for them. So they don't, you know, I think we're really good at making this really fun for ourselves and people like ourselves, you know, big people, adult people. But I think it's so important for our kids, man. Like we need that next generation and we have to invest in them. And, and so, Amy, that's why we're so grateful for what you've shared on that here and um, how you continue to have that focus as well in all that you do. So that's awesome. 
Um, I'm going to go on to another question here. And this is open. Okay, anyone anyone who wants to jump in on this one, I'll just, uh, I'm just going to put it out there for anyone. And the question is, any advice for younger believers with strict or disapproving parents who still want to keep the feasts? I feel blessed to keep Yom Teruah, but I wish I had community to do it with. Okay, so if I'm understanding this correctly, it's it's a younger person, uh, maybe a teenager or a, or a young adult or so, but with parents who aren't on board with the feast or with family who, who isn't on board. And, you know, what do we do when we feel like we don't have that community around us? Is there anyone who has a thought to share on that? I would say first and foremost, um, you know, the Bible is pretty clear about honoring your father and mother. And so this is a really tough place for you to be in because you you have a heavenly father who is called you into some sort of practice of your faith that you find beautiful and that you want to learn more and you want to experience that. Um, but we also have to be very careful not to dishonor our, our earthly fathers and mothers because there are curses that come with that as well. And so, um, you know, first off, I, I would just, I would like to be able to pray with you offline or PD and Christina or whatever, whatever we can do to, to just be constantly keeping you in prayer, because I know that that's a hard place to be in where um, you have a passion for the Lord that's not shared by your parents. Um, but one thing I would, I would suggest maybe prayerfully considering, and, and I do say prayerfully considering, because this is a situation where um, when you're talking to your parents, um, you need to make sure that that you are showing honor and that there is no disrespect in the conversation. And so spend some time in prayer. I know I keep going back to praying, 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 but um, the Lord does show up and he does answer. And he does. The Bible says that the Lord is the one who actually puts the new heart and the new spirit inside each and every one of us. And so um, you can't by yourself as a child or as an adult change uh, another person's heart. Um, only the Lord can do that. And it's only by the power of the spirit of the Lord that that can happen. And so if, if you're looking for a heart posture change of your parents to, uh, be cooperative or at least be, uh, more, um, encouraging or allowing of the feast celebrations, um, first and foremost, it's prayer has to be prayer because you have to pray for them that the Lord would give them the revelation of the feasts and the festivals and the joy that's there. But the other thing is, is after you prayerfully sought the Lord, um, maybe sit down and try just to have a, a very non-emotional, a non-argumentative conversation and tell them your testimony. Don't try to go straight to the word of God and say, here's why I think you're wrong, mom and dad. But tell them the testimony of why you feel like this is important for yourself, because uh, the book of Revelation, the, the Revelation of John says that we'll overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So if God is giving you this testimony of why you find beauty and joy in this. It, it's not for it's not to be thrown away. And so he's going to have to help you through your testimony to your parents to change their hearts so that they would see the joy and the beauty. But I definitely want to stress it has to be done in a way that is not disrespectful and not dishonoring to your parents. Mm, that's so good, brother. You know, Trinity's testimony, which she shared earlier on the broadcast comes to mind because she got hungry for God when she heard her mom's testimony 
Like her mom got radically encountered by God and his Holy Spirit and changed and there was fruit. And as Trinity saw that, she was pricked and she wanted the same. So, you know, us sharing what we've seen, how God has changed us and not just sharing it with our mouth, that's important. But then also having that fruit where they see it for themselves. That's so powerful, as Chris said. Anyone who wants to add to that before I go on to the next question? I will. Yeah. I think that is such a great question. And why I think that's a great question is because they started with, I'm so blessed to know and be able to do this in some way or another. Kudos, good for you, because you're not the only one. There are people in all kinds of situations, really um, women whose husbands don't keep Torah, parents whose children won't do it with them. Like all kinds of people are feeling this struggle very close to home. And it's very hard. It's a terribly hard situation. But I love that you led with I'm blessed. And you focus on that and you focus on keeping your heart content in your difficult circumstance. Nothing is a surprise to the father. When the father opened your eyes to this and he said, I'm going to show you something special. And I think he's going to show it to everyone. But you're one of the first ones to know this. And I don't know why there's nothing special about us, but he chose to show us something special. And he knew this would be your situation. And yet he showed it to you anyway. That means he knows you're able to walk it out as much as possible. He knows that there would be um, difficult situations, difficult circumstances. And some people feel like, I can't do it right. I can't do it all the way. He knew where you were going to be. Of course, he's the God of the universe. Nothing is a surprise. So just lean into that contentment, rejoice in what you can do, and pray that next year things are different. Back to praying. That was awesome. Um, but it's okay. You do as much as you can do. And I pray that all of you find community really soon and find online community at least. Mm, that's good. To, that's good, Amy. You know, I would, I would add just one more thing. When we, when we get to the knowledge and understanding of these very exciting things, like was said, you know, I'm blessed. Yeah, we're blessed to know this. Also, make sure that as you're blessed in this, that you also widen your horizons because sometimes, and I'm, I'm just talking about us as people in general, and I know I fall into that. When we get really passionate about something God has blessed us with, then it becomes, this is it, this is it, this is it, don't you see this? And we kind of, you know, start hammering this one thing to a family member or a friend, like every time we see them all over again. And it kind of gets old. So, you know, remember also that what God has shown us in a time like this right now, he has a time like that for each other person around us. And we have to be mindful of that moment to have it arrive and be patient for that moment to arrive for others, just as the father was patient for us as it arrived for us. So um, widen your horizons. What I mean by that is, is also make sure that the other aspects of the gospel, of the Holy Spirit, of, of who Yeshua is, your relationship with him, all of that is very powerful and that that is, is really at a, in a high standing in your life so that the fruit of that will bleed over into the other revelations that your parents may not be on board with yet. And then they will be like, well, I'm interested in that. Please tell me more. So I'll just add that as well. Uh, any last thoughts on this uh, sharing of this with other people? All right, I'll move on to the next question then. Uh, all right, this is a question from Aaron. 
or sorry, yes, I'm going to go to Aaron question, Aaron's question. He said, some people in the Torah community say that Jesus is the lawless one or the anti-Messiah and that Yeshua is a different Messiah. How does someone work through that? Okay, I'll give you my two cents. I'm sure some of the other speakers would love to add to this perhaps. When we talk about the this idea, which I've heard before, I'm sure everyone's heard it before, it's like there are these two different identities attached. One identity to Jesus and another identity to Yeshua. And the reason that this is perhaps perceived is because there are certain, I mean, in the world, of course, and this is probably obvious and expected, there are some who do not represent the Messiah well. And so if they use the name Jesus and they don't represent him well, and they teach perhaps that he has taught things that he had not teached or that he is in ways that he is not, in some ways they're proclaiming a false Messiah. If it's not really who he is, according to the Bible, they're proclaiming their own version of who he is. And so because they use the name Jesus, perhaps we, we say, oh, well, that's Jesus. And now we say that's the Jesus Messiah and he's the false Messiah. And now Yeshua is his Hebrew name and this is the true Messiah. Well, I will add this. I have also seen people on the other hand of this who use the name Yeshua and who proclaim Yeshua as the Messiah using that Hebrew name, but yet who misrepresent him in the way they live and what they teach and what they teach about how, what he was like and what he did and who he was or who he was not. And so by the same logic, I can go and say this Yeshua Messiah is, is the false Messiah. But see, we can have the awareness to understand that that just because someone calls him Yeshua and proclaims something about him, if we see that that's not who he is, that doesn't mean it's, his, it's, a, it's got nothing to do with his name. It's got nothing to do with him. It's got all to do with that person and what they're saying. And so Jesus comes from Isus in the Greek. We added the J in English. There's nothing wrong with that name and of its essence. We, some of us love to use the word Yeshua, his name in Hebrew, because we feel like there's a lot of meaning behind it because it means salvation and that's beautiful. But I would be very wary of trying to attach this false Messiah identity to the Greek name and the true Messiah identity to the Hebrew name because, well, like I said, that probably wouldn't be a good idea. And I will just misrepresent really who he is because there are many people who are saved in the name of Jesus and who will stand before him saved because they called on the name of Jesus. And so I wouldn't want to make anyone stumble because they uh, because of this this doctrine. So I would be careful of this doctrine of um, these identities and getting it mixed up. Anyone who wants to add anything to that? Yeah, um, you know, over the years, uh, there's been a lot of these types of doctrines that have, have crept in. And um, a lot of it comes from uh, a human heart problem that we say was was a church problem or it was a world problem. The truth is, is it's not exclusive to the church. It's not exclusive to the roots base of Christianity. It's not exclusive to any religion. It's a human heart problem. And that is, is that we we have a western culture nathan can probably speak to this better than than i can obviously traveling all over the middle east right now but like we have a western culture where we create an idolatry of self that is pretty much driven off of the mind 
how smart can we be how how like and that then borderlines into conspiracy theories where um everybody is out to tell us some sort of narrative that will steer us away from the truth is like a hidden knowledge and it, it's not exclusive to the name jesus or to the scripture it's it's in everywhere and so people will go down the rabbit trails and they'll say oh well because jesus was misrepresented by by the roman catholics uh during the crusades then he's he's a completely different identity and there's a whole conspiracy of the catholic church to do this and then at the same point when you get into messianic hebrew roots whatever you want to call Torah observant israel the 35 names that we have for for ourselves now we kind of do the same thing where where we want to create yeshua almost in a likeness of our own intellect and understanding and interpretation of the Bible. And so we are very, very dangerously approaching the same lines that we always do. And first John chapter four, I believe says that um, the spirit of the antichrist is one that doesn't acknowledge that Jesus, Yeshua, Christ, Messiah, whatever name, whatever title you want comes from God. And so we've kind of got even further down into the weeds on, well, what's the proper Hebrew uh, pronunciation and what role does he have? And, and we have to just kind of step back and remember that when I screw up, I'm literally the chief sinner. When I screw up, that doesn't mean that my screw up in the name of Jesus as my Messiah, Yeshua as my Messiah, is now attributes to him. They're attributes to me. They're my stumbles. They're my shortcomings. They're my sins. And sometimes we project our own sins and shortcomings from our own intellect onto the Messiah. And uh, it's, it's why we just have to be very, very careful because the world is definitely watching. Uh, and the darkness is increasing and we don't want to be the reason why we show some sort of counterfeit light, just like we've seen throughout centuries before. Mm, that's good, brother. Any, anyone wants to add anything to that? Right. I'll I'm going to go. Bit. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. The question is like, I, in a sense, are you in covenant? If you believe that false Jesus that we all misunderstood at one time in our lives, and that gets into a whole thing, who's in covenant, who's not, which is kind of the where that question is going. And that's why it's so tricky. And I that's way above my pay grade when I look at other people. When I look at myself, I can judge myself in that area. I say to people, how how well see the thing is the Jesus that we all used to understand, we we misunderstood some aspects of him. I misunderstood some of his nature, some of what he walked out, some of why he came and died in the first place. But how perfectly do you have to understand Yeshua to be in covenant? And I look at little children. Mm -hmm. I believe that a little child can be in covenant with the creator of the universe. But a mm -hmm. little child does not fully understand the nature of Yeshua or the Bible and all of these complicated things that we use to call someone else out of covenant. And so I'm, I'm always very careful to not say who's in covenant and who's not. It's same as someone says, well, you have to do this or this or this to be in covenant. And my question back to them is, how perfectly do you have to do that? And they can never tell me. They can never tell me because they don't know either because it's above their pay grade. So we all are trying and we should always try to understand Yeshua and his nature and what he represents and why he came and how we are to be like him as much as we can until the day we die. <laughs> That's what we're all doing. That's the race we're running. Um, but I'm not going to look at other people and do that for them. So that was a good question, though, because it, it is a hard thing to navigate. 
Great. And I'll just quickly say, Jesus led me to the feast. Jesus led me to eating clean. Jesus led me to following the Torah. When I found the gospel of the kingdom, in, in the moment when I found him, I was isolated. I couldn't jump on YouTube. I couldn't jump and ask the pastors. I had my Bible. And my Bible was New King James. And so when I stripped all the way, I guess, the church doctrine or the, 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 the theology of, you know, some of the church fathers and some of the Reformation, you know, if you just look at when I hear that, sometimes it, it hurts my heart because I'm not going to allow, like you guys have said, the misrepresentation of even the Jesus with the J in the English translation. He's not taking me away from Torah. He's not taking me away from the feast. He's not taking me away from anything that's in the volume of that book. Um, and if you have to understand that. So anyways, it's just uh, Jesus led me to this. And, and so I have a great calling him that because it's definitely not my false messiah uh, i love yeshua and i call him yeshua but i think we we've allowed people to hijack and say jesus was bad that if you would strip away the the commentary if you'd strip away the the rhetoric from the church fathers and you just read the gospels of jesus he would be pro torah he's who he's who we call yeshua so that's that's my my thoughts so Awesome, brother. Thanks for important. That's very important. Thank you for adding that. Uh, I'm going to add, open up this one question as well as we start to close off the night. Um, all right. The Rebel Wolf asks, I've been trying to find a like-minded church or community. I'm in Indiana and I've been struggling to find that. How do I find that in my area? Hey, Nathan, aren't you in Indiana right now? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually in Northern Indiana in Fort Wayne at Messiah's New Life Tabernacle. That's where I'm teaching that tomorrow and, and, Sunday, and Sunday. But at MNLT, Northern Indiana, uh, people drive here. They're probably about 200, 220. Um, they drive from all over. It's a really healthy congregation. Um, they're balanced. Um, there, and there's a couple more. that Let them, let them email me. Uh, email Nathan at NathanHarmon.org. And I can probably send you, I don't know where your location is, whoever that is, but if they email me, I can probably point them to some, some fellowships here. Yeah. And I'll also add, um, we we have Rise on Fire, we have a map. So if you want to find, look at like congregations near you for anyone who's listening, you can just go to map.riseonfire.com. Hey, Christina, just put that in the chat for me. And then uh, you guys can just go and find a um, fellowship near you if there's anyone near you. Um Amy, do you guys have any kind of a, a resource for people like that, offering a way for people for women to connect with one another or, or anything like that? I have a couple that I can mention real quick. On TorahSisters.com, I have a group finders. There's, there's dozens of women around the world who have said, if some women contact me, I'll have a women's get-together. So go look there, add yourself, submit yourself to start a little ladies group. Um, and also, I live in Michigan, and years ago, I started a Michigan Facebook group. If you're in Michigan, go search for Michigan Torah Keepers. Um, and if search your state, see if there's something like that for your state. And if not, start one. Awesome. Great. Okay. And 
I think, guys, if there's any last, we have maybe room for one more question. So if there's anyone who has one more question, we'll we'll uh, we'll catch that one. Um, I'm just going to read some of the comments here. Aaron, just as a follow up to that earlier question, said. Uh, my husband and I have encountered many people who teach that and it has caused confusion. Each one of your words really helped us understand this better. Thank you so much. Awesome. So it's a blessing. We're so glad that you can join us here tonight. Um, okay, great. Okay, guys. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here tonight. It is really an honor and a pleasure to have you with us. I want to say a big special thank you also to all of the speakers who came out, who was part of the broadcast earlier, and who are now here, even joining me here tonight, tonight, late into the night. Um, so, but guys, most of all, thank you to our Father who is in heaven, who has made all of this possible, and who continues to bless us with fellowship, even though we can do this online. What a blessing that even is. Um, through today's technology. So uh, I want to just end this off by just reminding anyone that if this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you want to support this ministry, you want to support these speakers, these ministers, these worship leaders, uh, you can go to riseonfar.com and make a contribution and we're going to make sure that everyone receives something from that. So guys, thank you for joining us. Please share this resource, this video with your friends. And we can't wait to see you in the next video. Have an amazing Feast of Trumpets.